0: Was there symbolism in the fact that we had an inch of snow on the ground when we heard that Ohio Governor Mike DeWine had set a date for the end of our hibernation? And is it too soon? It's the Friday episode of This Week in the CLE, the Cleveland.com podcast about the coronavirus. I'm Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn on The Wire with editors Chris Wernowski, Laura Johnston, and Jane Cahoon. Laura, did you get the skis out? Can you social distance on a ski lift?
1: <laughs> I did not get my skis out, but actually you can social distance on a ski lift. The first weekend of this crisis, before non-essential business were closed, I skied. There were signs everywhere that said, do not ride the chairlift with anyone who's not in your party. And um, also that the length of a normal like adult ski is about six feet.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, you know, where's Rich Exner? We need to hold him to account. We're supposed to get snow again today, you guys Yeah, it's,
1: it's supposed to snow most of the afternoon. And uh, my neighbor said, uh, we'll get out for a family snowball fight because then we can be socially distant. <laughs> I've
0: cut my lawn twice already this year. There's that, you know, the, the snow is done. We're not supposed to be dealing with it. Really aggravating that in this coronavirus era, I can't go outside. Okay, let's get started. Is May 1st too soon to start reopening Ohio during the coronavirus pandemic? Ohio Governor Mike DeWine offered the words so many of us have been waiting for, the date when he starts lifting his coronavirus restrictions. It's May 1st. Jane Cahoon, what are the details?
2: Well, we really don't have the details yet. <laughs> <laughs> just that it's, it's going to begin on May 1st, and it's not going to happen all at once. So he just teased us then? Well, not exactly. He he did lay out some things in, in broad terms and, and gave us kind of a glimpse with a big warning that it's still going to be a different world and we're going to have to live with this virus until they develop a vaccine. But he showed a, I think it was like a graphic that as sort of an example of how a business would deal with this, like taking temperatures and um, maintaining physical distance and wiping surfaces and having people wear masks. And, um, he also has, has signaled this week that he wants elective surgeries to, to resume soon. And he said he's still working on a plan for the school. So we, we don't really know about that.
0: Yeah. The, the question is, do we, do, do we get school started now just to fine tune whatever the plan is for the fall? Cause if we wait until the fall, it could be, uh, Bedlam. He also isn't talking about sports and other big crowds, and he had some thoughts about county fairs.
2: Right. I think that those large gatherings are going to be the very last thing to to come online. So, and as I said, he stressed that May 1st is just the beginning. Um, So I don't know, maybe we'll see restaurants open around then, but there's definitely going to be capacity and distancing restrictions.
1: this is Laura Johnston. I just wanted to say when he talked about the, the state fair, he was like, if <laughs> kids don't get to show a lamb, that would just be horrible. It was like the worst thing he could contemplate. So he right. he, he loves a fair. People the, are... the other great quote we used from him was, nobody loves a
2: county fair better than Mike <laughs> DeWine and nobody oh, loves a state fair more than I do. And this is true, folks
0: people uh were aching for this. Laura Johnston, you wrote the story and I think it's already the number 1 story for us for the month so far. If it's not, it's number 2. Chris Warnaski, do you think it's too soon to be doing this in Ohio?
3: I'm I mean, I'm a little skeptical Only because I like I understand the need and the and the want to get the economy going again and and to try to stave off the horrible job numbers that we're seeing and to sort of get people back to work. But, it, you know, I I, my concern about this is that they're going to place a lot of rules and regulations on what employers can do, but then have absolutely no oversight of it. I mean, it's like one of the things that I've noticed throughout this whole thing. I, you have we haven't heard a peep out of organization or agencies like OSHA or You know, people that are supposed to be monitoring what these already essential employers are, are doing and how they're treating their employees. And then you see story after story of, of people saying like, yeah, they're not really doing much where I work. And so what it comes down to really is that, you know, they're going to create, and and this happens in government all the time. So they're going to create a bunch of laws and stuff, social distancing, taking temperatures, and then companies are just going to, because you know, I I think we have a pretty good track record in, of this company of putting a lot of faith in private companies, and then then just completely
0: ignoring. Them. So yeah, you know, well, it, and and we know that people are not hesitant to complain about it because we've heard from a whole bunch of them, and that's with all the ones that are closed down.
3: Yeah, and uh, it's 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 like I think they're you know I again I I don't want to I don't want to discount the. Angst that people are having about joblessness and and the economy. I mean that's that's important, but you know we have hucksters like Doctor Oz and w- lawmakers who are seriously debating an acceptable number of people dying, and that's just to me that's that's we re- that's just weird, and it's it's kind of gross. And so
0: yeah, Doctor I mean, <laughs> Oz was acting like three percent of school kids dying. Oh, that's okay. That's an acceptable. Right. I mean, of-
3: like, look. I mean, this is wow. it, it, this sounds. I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I mean, that that is literal genocide. I mean, that's what you're advocating when you say something like that. And that's wrong. We can have, we can have a debate about, you know, whether young people are okay to put back out in the workforce. But when you start just dashing off percentages of people who were okay with dying, that's wrong. And it bothers me that we got that far this quickly.
0: Laura Johnson, you're working from home with two kids in class and this week in spring break, uh, I mentioned that that the story about the reopening of Ohio rocketed up because people are aching for it. I take it you're one of the people that's ready for the you <laughs> feel some elation yesterday, oh even gosh. though you don't know what the rules are.
1: Oh, yesterday was a good day. And I am a planner. I like plans. I don't do well with uncertainty. So even though Mike DeWine offered no specifics in this one, it felt like we were starting to be able to think about the future. I'm feeling pretty optimistic that my kids are going to be able to go to summer camp, um, that the pools will eventually open. Although, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, I ordered um, an above-ground
0: pool. Oh my God, really? <laughs> for a
1: hundred bucks. I was like, well... This will keep my sanity if I just can float in it. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking ahead. Um, I, I, I hope that I'll be able to get to hang out with my parents and siblings and nieces and nephews at our cottage in Canada, that the borders will reopen. So I'm feeling I'm feeling better today.
0: That um, that text messaging thing that I do uh, where I send out questions or thoughts is a, has become a good meter of when we're. Hitting a nerve. And yesterday morning before DeWine even said he was reopening the state May 1st, I put something out and I I didn't get back to it yesterday because I was so tied up. But when I looked this morning, it was an overwhelming number of people that had come back with what they thought the future would look like. I took a bunch of the responses and put them online if people want to read them. Jane, when will we actually see the governor's plan for this? Where he does address schools and he does address restaurants and he does address sports. I mean, we keep playing this game, but you know where we're guessing what it looks like, but we don't know. I mean, a lawyer who represents a big restaurant sent a note in on that text messaging account saying they're planning on 50% capacity. They're going to take out half their tables. You know, I would like to hear that from the governor. what What is your thought on how this works? And we're completely in the dark still.
2: Well, you got to believe we're going to hear something about this next week because there's not too much time left before May 1st.
1: But and and I talked to some school districts who were planning thinking they were going to be shutting down but after yesterday's speech from the governor um I talked to the Parma superintendent and he's like I guess we're going to have to start thinking like this is a possibility like what are we going to do at class change with 1500 kids all in a hallway so I think everybody wants to know some specifics so they can really nail down the details Well and the
0: other thing about putting out the tentative plan is it allows the community to offer thoughts. I mean, you know, the governor and his team don't think of everything. And so if you say, here's here's some ideas we have, you know, you might hear from some really thoughtful superintendents saying, you know, well, have you thought about kids in wheelchairs or something? I mean, just the 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 uh, ideas that they wouldn't come up with themselves. James, I, finally-
2: I really want this to happen on a Friday afternoon.
1: Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good point, Jane.
0: <laughs> yeah, if they're listening, Jane, they're going to actually try to answer these questions. Um, finally, what's the deal with Ohio working with other states to reopen together? I don't even get how that makes sense. I really don't care what the neighboring states do. Not not at all. And, and you know, I have kids in Michigan. Um, DeWine didn't work with the other states when he started shutting down. What, what's the point of working with other states to reopen? So,
2: so this was a really confusing situation. First, we saw this story in the Indianapolis Star yesterday saying that DeWine was going to be working with the governors of Indiana and Kentucky on a reopening plan. So Laura Hancock asked the governor spokesman who said, well, the governor talks with other governors frequently, but there's no formal compact or anything. And then she also asked the governor about it at his Thursday briefing. He characterized it as, you know, there are these informal groups of governors that share ideas and information. Then before the briefing ended, a news release went out from the Illinois governor announcing that he and DeWine and five other Midwest governors in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, and Kentucky had just formed this partnership. To- not to- mi-
0: n- not Michigan, though, right?
2: <laughs> no, it was oh, Michigan. Oh, it does include Michigan. Okay. Yeah, Michigan and Minnesota, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Kentucky. Um, that they'd formed this partnership to reopen the economies. And it sounded a little more formal and coordinated. So Laura went back to the spokesman again, who referred her back to what the governor said at the briefing. (laughs) Then later, just to muddy this a little more, they send out a recap of the day's news from the governor's office. And it said that DeWine had announced this effort where he was going to work closely with, the other state's governors in a coordinated way, and they're going to review several factors as they reopen their economies, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, my take on this is, is kind of like the thing with, with Trump where he says they're they're aligned, but, but they had totally different approaches. I mean, I think he wants to maintain the good relationship and the cooperation, but when it comes down to it, he's going to make the decisions about, you know, what to do here.
0: I, I have another theory. All these other governors are bozos and they want, they want the wine's credibility. I mean, the, the, you know, they're having trouble. They're doing weird things. I mean, Pennsylvania shut down liquor sales. How did that make sense? And you know, the wine is getting all this praise. So they want the credibility of Ohio. I'll, I'll go with that. Okay.
2: That's not a bad theory.
0: Oh, I was just going to offer a,
3: like, you know, the other, the other theory is that it probably does make sense for us to coordinate with other States a little bit, especially, you know, we want to have some sort of effort that looks similar across the board. And so, you know, it's, it's also about creating like habits in people. So, you know, people who travel to, to Cleveland and to Ohio, you know, you want them to bring good habits with them when they come to our state. So they don't set us back. So, you know, I think so far,
1: so far worse than us. Like I don't understand why we would have the same rollout of a reopening as Michigan with four times more cases. Like, I don't really think that they should have a say in what we do. Well, And
0: Michigan is deep in the throes of this thing. Michigan has done weird things like tell people they can't buy gardening supplies. Yeah. And they're having
1: weird, like traffic jam, like protests around the state. I mean, it does not feel the same there. I don't think. Well, we have
3: protests too. And, and so it's, it's, and you know, we have people suing the Amy Acton to, to, you know because there's no due process in closing businesses i mean we have our our share of that kind of stuff too i'm but what i'm saying is that you know there there is a risk in not having some sort of plan i mean this virus doesn't really respect our state boundaries so there has to be some positive or some some benefit to doing this that either we're not thinking about or that relatively obvious i think but I, although true. i
0: we've had the the thing is in Ohio, we've had smart leadership, more so than I think probably most states. So I think for Ohioans, we'd rather rely on what we've done thus far because it's worked really well, than start incorporating some of these goofball things they're doing elsewhere. I mean, it's you know, in Michigan, they basically said you can't go to any other house and you know, and in Michigan, that's probably a big deal because like Laura said, they're just getting hammered. But I, I don't know. I, I I would hate to see Mike DeWine compromise with another state to have a unified plan, than rely on the science that he's used so far to, to keep this thing in in check. Now, you know, I know the doubters are saying it was never a problem, but I saw a great meme today. I think it was on Reddit. Where somebody was saying, "I went to the doctor. The doctor said I was going to die if I didn't take the medicine. I took the medicine, and I'm fine. My doctor's an idiot. I wasn't going to die." It's like (laughs) it's right on the money. Anyway, you're listening to this week in the CLE. How many coronavirus cases are there in the area of Hudson, Ohio? At last, we know. The Summit County public health officials finally ended their ridiculous secrecy on coronavirus numbers and released them by zip code. They had refused based on the absurd explanation that releasing the numbers could serve to identify people who have the virus. We talked to math experts, as you and you might expect. They punched holes in such loony logic. Welcome to the sunshine, Summit County. Laura Johnston, you grew up down there. What do the new numbers show?
1: Well, I'm happy that where my parents live is not the highest. Uh, the hardest hip zip codes have between 21 and 30 cases each. Um, one The first one is the kind of inner ring feel of West Akron. And then Hudson, you mentioned, kind of a tony small town. And then the up-and-coming Twinsburg uh, growing. Then Hudson and Twinsburg are next to each other, but they're a ways from West Akron. I'm going to point out here that West Akron is home to Rocky Knoll, the nursing home that has seven deaths and 28 cases.
0: Is there anywhere in the county that's not seeing COVID-19?
1: Actually, yeah. Half of my old school district in Richfield has no cases plus neighboring Boston, Boston Heights, and Peninsula, which are actually right next to Hudson. So go figure.
0: Okay. So following the Summit Board's logic, let me ask you now, (laughs) now that we have the zip code numbers, what are the names of the people that have the (laughs) virus? Let's list them.
1: I do not know anyone. I don't know that my parents know anyone yet either. So no, no identifying with the zip code numbers.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. What is university hospitals doing about the shortage of swabs used for coronavirus tests? So much of what is needed for the COVID-19 crisis is in short supply, masks, gowns, and those very long swabs that testers were shoving deep into the nasal canals of people being tested. But this is a good news story, Chris Warnowski. The need to find an alternative makes for a much more pleasant testing experience.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you saw any of the pictures or know anybody who's had this test, but it, oh God, like those photos of the people getting the swabs, <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable looking, and I feel for anybody who had to have that done to their, their nose. Oh my gosh! But, but the the FDA basically loosened rules saying that you don't have to use those long swabs anymore. There was a shortage in them for testing for this, and and so now they they basically said that it's okay to. To use a shorter swab, and and you can take a, a an easier sample just around the inside of your nose, and and you can actually do it yourself under the the supervision of a doctor.
0: So so that, given what you said about those really painful, agonizing photos that you saw, I mean, I really didn't want to have this test. It kind of begs a question, right? Why didn't they come up with this in the first place?
3: Well, it's like a lot of things. I think it comes down to the the sort of slow moving wheels of our our regulatory agencies, they had to wait for FDA approval to use a different test. And so now that the FDA says it's okay, everybody can do it now. So that's good news. Hopefully, if this happens in the future, we'll we'll get to this this place a little faster.
0: Yeah, it did. It looked painful. Okay, you're listening to This Week in the CLE. How many people in Ohio have applied for unemployment since the coronavirus crisis began? Chris Warnowski, this is not just a big number. It's a number that we want to put into perspective. So first, how many people so far in Ohio?
3: We are up over about eight hundred thousand people. So we're inching our way toward having a million people, and and it's it's in in such a very short time span. It, it, it's it's devastating. It,
0: you're it's talking bad. depression level. You're getting up near depression level numbers, right? I mean, this is well. Let's put it into perspective. The reporter put this together had some interesting comparison numbers so go ahead and talk us through them
3: right now we've had 22 million americans who have filed for unemployment in the past four weeks and and so that is that is essentially wiped out any any job gains that we've had in the past like three years since the like even dating back to obama so you know we have we have essentially crossed the i believe we've crossed the great recession line and and we're kind of heading into uncharted territory in 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 ways that we haven't seen since the great depression
0: and the number we've had in four weeks is more than everything we had in the previous two years yep and
3: and yeah and so you know now we have our overwhelmed unemployment system here uh annoyingly much to uh john houston's chagrin uh Still not up and running in the way that that it needs to be running. So, you know, still he- hearing a lot of complaints from people who can't get through and who can't get their stuff approved.
0: Okay. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. Is the coronavirus an introvert's nirvana? We know that extroverts are going stir-crazy, trying to get attention while locked up at home. Reporter Pete Krauss set off to find the warning signs that people might be going to stir-crazy. But he also found an unexpected flip side, people whose mental health is vastly improved because they spent so much time away from all of us. Laura Johnston, this most definitely would not apply to you. But what did Pete learn about introverts?
1: You're right. Not about me. But Pete talked to psychologists and said they said some of their clients, like people with anxiety or body image problems, have spent a month largely untroubled cocooned cocooned in the love of their family and staying home and so they're actually doing better and good for them
0: and one of the things that that the story said is there are people that that the anxiety of simply going to a doctor's office for an appointment is overwhelming they have to prepare for it and so what's going on with telehealth is is appealing to them because they can do it from the privacy of their own home
1: right and i don't know anyone who really likes going to the doctor, so. The upshot of this is isolation might be some great new practices in us not having to to go as often, or if we have something, having a stronger relationship online. Uh, this period is giving some people some space to grow mentally stronger. And I'd like to point out that uh, we had a survey, I think they did it on on Facebook, asking what people missed and didn't miss. And the top five things that people didn't miss, and this is anybody, uh, included unintelligent people so everybody <laughs> is liking the break <laughs> from dealing with um,
3: More than yeah yeah are these people not spending any time on the internet while they're at home <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, they're there
0: so were there any uh lessons for extroverts in in this the you know do, do the introverts have anything they can help the extroverts with as they go stir crazy
1: yeah i think so i think extroverts can learn how to enjoy being creative by ourselves and learn not to depend on other people so much for their happiness. However, I I will say, I think this might be easier when you aren't trying to entertain a seven and nine year old all day long.
0: Speaking from personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) It's this week in the CLE. Who is the latest judge to get slapped around by the Ohio Supreme Court for holding hearings during the coronavirus crisis? In Cuyahoga County, Judge Pinky Carr made headlines weeks ago by holding hearings and threatening to arrest people who failed to show, even though those people had been told by court officials not to be there. The Supreme Court did put a stop to that. Now we have a case in Medina County, Chris Wernowski.
3: Right. So uh, Medina County Domestic Relations Court Judge Mary Kovac
0: basically was was telling people if you can't,
3: reach an agreement or some sort of settlement on your case before then you're going to have to appear in her court in person and the supreme court basically ordered her to stop doing that so she said in an interview that we did with her last week that she had stripped her magistrates of the ability to grant attorneys request to postpone uh, scheduled trials and final hearings and and now she, if she wanted to personally review each case where an attorney requested a continuance and so a couple of attorneys filed a complaint with the court basically saying, like, look, you're putting us all at risk and really what you're doing is you're you're forcing people to make a decision between putting their health at risk or and, and settling their cases. So they were the attorneys were concerned that this was going to spur people to settle cases without really getting their day in court.
0: So so let me ask you though. I mean I, I get that with criminal defendants who are in jail, it's a lot harder not to have people in court, but for domestic relations cases, you could easily get people together by zoom she She could set up things for many people you 'd have to have broadband access and the like. but she could set that up and continue to do what she needs to do with live hearings by getting everybody together virtually They're, These usually are not dangerous people it 's just working out the details. Why aren't they doing stuff like that well uh, it
3: seems like in this instance they don 't have the they don't really have the technology. And and so, you know, she she alluded to the fact that they were getting some grant money to get the ability to hold these video hearings. Uh, and, and she said as early as this week, they might be able to start doing that. So, you know, but again, it is, you know, it is a question of access. You know, what, you know, do the do the clients have to go to their attorney's office and sit with their attorney and do the Zoom stuff? Can they all plug in remotely? You know, it's it's just. It's technology that we probably should have had in place before we had an emergency and
0: had to do it in a hurry. But that gets into a question that our sports editor, Dave Campbell, asked yesterday. Is this crisis identifying all sorts of seriously outmoded things that the government does? You know, the court stuff were city hall permits or, you know, imagine what the driver's license office is going to be like when it reopens and a month of people who have expired licenses show up that very long process to get the secure license. That place is a nightmare on, on a day when there is no month long backlog. I mean, there does have to be a better way, right? There,
3: there is. And I think, I, I think governments should embrace technology. And, and I think this is, you know, I, I, I think John Oliver said it in his last episode of his show wh- where people our unemployment systems are so overburdened. And and he basically said, you know, this is, This is why you don't wait for an emergency to set up a government safety. net. You know, you should have these things in place before it happens. And so, you know, I and we've talked about this quite a bit off the air. But, you know, if you look to the future, you you can see a government that actually is is remotely accessible that gives people access and doesn't force people to come to city hall to do all their business. It doesn't force them to come to the court to do, do all their business.
0: We'll see. I think people that are predicting that are having rose colored glasses. Uh, Government, especially in Northeast Ohio, you know, doesn't have a long track record of actually serving the people in the way that people need it to, think well, machine it. They machine
3: to... Don't vote. That's the thing is that yeah. like those jobs are also important politically. So, mm. you know, there's a, there's a great fear among people who work in government jobs that if they update those offices, I'll lose my job. And, and again, that's a, I mean, that's something that we talk about all the time when we talk about technology in the workplace is that like, my, mm. well, am I, am I learning the thing that's going to put me out of work? And, and so it's, you know, it's it's a question we have to r- wrangle with, though.
0: Okay, you're listening this week in the CLE. Why is the Fire Festival fraudster a Northeast Ohio coronavirus story? Chris Warnowski, you turned me on to the documentaries on the Fire Festival, one of the biggest music disasters in history. Before we get to the Northeast Ohio angle, how about a quick recap on what this thing was?
3: So, Fire Festival was this idea. This guy, he's sort of a promoter. His name is Billy McFarland. And he and Ja Rule and a bunch of people planned this big, really expensive, r- really exclusive music festival on this island. And it ended up being just an unmitigated disaster. And he ended up going to prison for at least part of part of it was related to, you know, the the promises that he made. They basically essentially it boiled down to he was kind of running a pyramid. Scheme. I mean, it was it was a very sort of high financial crime that took advantage of a lot of really, quote unquote, important Instagram influencers and and people. So there were competing documentaries on Hulu and Netflix that took the world by storm for a couple of weeks. Yeah, It
0: it was like mayhem. Okay, so how is this a Northeast Ohio coronavirus story? So when he got sentenced to prison, he was
3: placed in the prison in Elkton here. And it is, you know, it's the prison that Mike DeWine had to send the uh, National Guard into uh, because they weren't fully up to snuff with their medical staffing. So it's a, you know, we've already had a handful of people die from there and a bunch of people who have already tested positive. So he, McFarland, made a request to get out of jail. And so we'll see if that gets granted by a judge.
0: Any chance? I mean, who
3: knows? Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people are getting out of jail. Uh, you know, I, yeah, and, and so, I mean, his case is, is, is as good as most people, but, you know, I, I think you have to see if his, if, if the, the things that he's citing, you know, I think he was citing some, some medical issues, if, if they, if those pre existing health conditions put him at risk. And, you know, I guess a judge will
0: decide it. And, you know, okay. it's hard to predict. Be interesting to see. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. Okay, so big plans this weekend? Movies, theaters, clubs?
1: <laughs> I'm working, so...
0: You're, wor- you're the weekend yeah, guy? Yeah, I'm the weekend editor. it. So. Uh,
1: I told my daughter if she set up a doll tea party, I would come to it.
2: So. What well, nice you, Jane? Me? Um, it's looking a lot like last weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and every other weekend of the past six weeks. I just hope I don't have to shovel snow. You hate to do that after you've mowed your lawn. Thanks, Chris, Jane, and Laura, and thank you for listening to This Week in the CLE. The end of this crisis is coming into sight, maybe, but as long as it continues, we'll be here each weekday.